listening to this week's episode of the Loveless Biomedical Podcast. Hi, this is Jake McDonald, and I'm here for this week's podcast. And today we're going to talk a little bit about biomarkers for immunology assays and their regulatory indications and definition. I'm here with Dharmesh Desai, who's our head of bioanalytical and large molecule bioanalytical and immunology. Hello, Dharmesh. Hi, Jake. How are you? I'm doing great. And first of all, Dharmesh, why don't you tell tell the folks we're uh, talking to today a little bit about your background and where you're from and what brought you to New Mexico? Sure. Um, so my background, let's start academically. Um, my academic background, I would consider myself a, a cellular immunologist. Mm-hmm. So that's what I got my PhD in and did my postdoctoral training in. Um, and then from academics, my first foray uh, into industry was at Regeneron Pharmaceuticals. Uh, after that, it was at uh, Bristol Myers Squibb. Um, and then after that, uh, it was at uh, um, Teva Pharmaceuticals and a and, um, couple of smaller biotech companies as well. And most of my time in industry was spent in the bioanalytical group. So what I mean by that is I was in the group that was responsible for developing and validating and doing sample analysis for PK or pharmacokinetic assays um, for ADA or immunogenicity assays, looking at anti-drug antibody, and also for PD or pharmacodynamic assays. And, and so those are what would um, fall in the bucket of biomarker analysis. And I, my understanding is when you were in academia, you were in Tennessee, is that correct? That's right. Was that, were you there? Was Peyton Manning there during that time? Or was no, it the so wrong school. So it's it's the right school, but the wrong campus. So I was uh, at the Health Science Center campus in in Memphis. Oh, uh, okay. So you don't have a big Peyton Manning jersey on your. No, way. I don't. <laughs> big, big orange. Right. Deal. Yeah. So so I want to talk a little bit with you today about something that confuses us toxicologists. And I would say that you know, I'm a toxicologist, so I can talk bad about us. Um, you know, we we like we like to um, look at things and evaluate things that are binned into their regulatory buckets, and there's guidance associated with those. And I'd say that most of us in toxicology oftentimes grew up in small molecules or other areas where the regulatory path is a little bit more straightforward, especially from a bioanalytical standpoint in terms of when you characterize uh, something as as GLP or non-GLP. And as we and and many other, the industry has has moved a lot more towards biologics and other approaches, the complexity of the bioanalytical approaches that you've been doing and that you've come here to join us and take on and how we define what it is from a regulatory standpoint is very complex. And just a specific example is I am constantly on calls with people and they say, oh, yeah, we're going to do all these assays and uh, they're all GLP, right? And you say, OK, well, technically, we don't really do a GLP. What do you mean? You're not GLP? Well, you know, so so I, I wanted to try and talk to you today just to help help you help me uh, in uh, working with folks on how to describe when and when you do. And then let's start with some basics. What is a biomarker? And it's just some basic definitions to set the stage. And, and what do you call, how do you define a biomarker? 
and in large molecule bioanalysis, when do you differentiate between PK and PD? Sure, that's a, that's a great question. Um, the way that I think about PK or pharmacokinetic assays is what does the body do to the drug? So okay. what is the clearance of the drug once it's administered into uh, either animals or humans, depending sure. on the study? Now, the flip side for PD assays or biomarker assays is what does the drug do to the body? So what sort of changes does the drug cause the body to make? And so some of these changes may be upregulation or downregulation of various receptors on, on the surface of cells. It may be uh, increase or decrease in levels of certain cytokines, those sort of things. It may be inducing uh, apoptosis on, on certain cell types. Okay, well, that, that makes sense. And what's, what can be confusing sometimes, especially in the world of biologics, is the same molecule or a cytokine or something like that may be for PK or PD. And so that you can have the same sort of approach, but completely different objectives. And I guess when you're looking at PK versus PD, <coughs> when and why would you consider doing something and calling it GOP? And I guess, you know, you've often uh, told me, and, I, and, I, and I'm still trying to understand it, that um, often it's convention to not do biomarkers, in particular assays, as, as uh, GLP. That's convention to not do them GLP. And I guess, why, why is that? And, and, and what, what, what is sort of the rationale behind that? So, so first of all, GLP, uh, or good laboratory practices, there's, there's a, a, those define the conduct of a um, non-clinical study or an animal study. Correct, correct. So for that study... Part of, although not explicitly stated in those regulations, um, part of the uh, assumption is that assays used to measure PK profiling will be validated assays. And so when I say validated, that means that um, health authorities, for example, FDA or EMA, have a set guidance or guidelines on how to do bioanalytical method validation for okay. PK assays, or how to do um, immunogenicity validation for ADA assays. Okay. Now, biomarkers, because they can fall into uh, a bunch of different buckets that can be analyzed in, in different ways. So for biologics and for, um, for uh, ADA assays, the main platform for analysis is uh, a ligand binding assay or an ELISA. Right. For biomarkers, if you're looking at apoptosis, for example, that may be um, done by flow cytometry. It can be done by immunohistochemistry. If you're looking at um, target expression on, on different cell types, that can be done by immunohistochemistry, flow cytometry, or, or even uh, RTQPCR. When you're looking at uh, T cell activation, that's usually done by flow cytometry. When you're looking at uh, cytokine release, that can be done by uh, MSD, mesoscale discovery cells, these, these kits to look at multiple panels of cytokines simultaneously from one sample. That can also be done by LA spot or by fluorospot. So, so let, me, let me cut to what you're, I, I think you just said. Is, a, a, there's a lot of tools in the toolbox to be able to address this question because it's complex. And B, back to the regulatory component. I think there's a couple of things that are important to understand. Number one, 
the study is conducted GLP, and FDA guidance, FDA rules, uh, and, and many others, uh, and AMA as well, uh, define GLP explicitly in terms of how you perform and do the animal work. Mm-hmm. And in addition, guidance that is set up in different ways, usually they're white papers or things like that typically and you know, for bioanalytical components, those are not specified as GLP, but in, tr- in, in rather how and when you characterize performance. Is that correct? That's right. So those guidances or guidelines um, – they're separate from white papers. White papers usually come from industry, but these come from governmental health agencies. Sure. Okay. Um, and so they specify which parameters to look at when you're validating a PK assay or which parameters need to be assessed when you're validating uh, immunogenicity assay. Okay. Well, let me, let me give you, let's, let's come up with a specific scenario. Uh, let's say, uh, you know, I'm developing interferon gamma, for example, mm-hmm. you know, as a drug. Uh, and I, I want to understand and characterize the what happens when I administer that drug. But it's, it's a cytokine. So I, I'm looking at this and saying, okay, I also want to understand its pharmacokinetics and I want to understand its impact on the body and the immunology, et cetera. And so for that particular scenario, what would be my decision tree in terms of which components of my analytical strategy for the toxicology program would be GLP versus analytical analysis that is performed according to certain criteria for performance, but are not specified as GLP. Can you help me through that? Sure. So for the, for the uh, pharmacokinetics of this interferon gamma drug or for immunogenicity uh, against this interferon gamma drug, um, we have a set uh, list of criteria that we need to make sure that, that the method that we use is suitable for its intended purpose. Mm-hmm. And so those are the ones that are defined in these guidances and guidelines. Biomarkers, it gets a little bit tricky because depending upon the stage of the program, uh, one of the first assessments that's made is the bioanalytical group sits down with uh, the key stakeholders and says, okay, at this stage of drug development, what is um, important? So are we just looking at sort of fishing and looking at exploratory type changes on a bunch of different cytokines to see what we can hone in on when this drug moves into clinical development? And so depending upon, um, and this is where the term gets thrown around a lot, context of use. So depending upon the context of use, at what stage of drug development you're in, that defines what extent um, the method should be validated and what parameters should be looked at in that validation. So once you're to the point of, okay, I understand a little bit about how the drug works, but I'm doing a toxicology <clears throat> program now and it's going to be for a regulatory submission. And I'm going to, I now, now I know I have this drug. I want to have a PK assay and I need to know where it goes. But then I also need to know what's the phenotype, what's my immune response, et cetera, et cetera. And so for those, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm going to validate that PK assay to sort of the highest level because that is a, a GLP component. Of that's it, that's the, the regulatory bar. Yes, that's correct. You're hitting the regulatory bar for the PK assay. But if I'm going to look at cytokine profiles or another immune assessment, 
that would be using some sort of a qualified assay, but it wouldn't be validated to the regulatory status or GLP status. It would be qualified and characterized and then included in. So would it need to be exempted or just defined as state of the art when, within your, uh, uh, your your regulatory compliance section? So, so depending upon um, what the what the stakeholder wants, mm-hmm. it can be validated, but it doesn't have to be the full gamut of validation parameters that that one sees for a PK assay. It okay. can just be a subset like accuracy and precision, um, parallelism, um, robustness, those sort of parameters. So, if you do qualification light because you don't need to have right now I, i'm not doing a pk assay mm-hmm. i just need to know hey i wonder if these cytokines go up or go down and kind of give me a little bit of a feel for what's going on but i want to know that the assay kind of works mm-hmm. now so so you're not then meeting the highest level of regulatory status but you're using this as characterize uh, characterization of the phenotype does that assay then, when you're writing up your compliance statement, then do you say, hey, this is what we did. It doesn't reach GOP criteria, but this is sort of, and then just sort of educate people. That's kind of state of the art. Yes. Um, and, and that's where people are are, uh, are moving towards. So they want to define what the purpose of the assay is. Okay. And then they want to define to what level of validation or qualification is required for that. Mm-hmm. And because... There is no uh, regulatory guidance on what uh, parameters need to be assessed for biomarkers because, as we said, we can use a number of different formats, and depending on the format, some parameters are appropriate, others aren't. Uh, So the format that you're using and the goal uh, of of what you want to do with the results sort of dictate what level of um, rigor goes into the development of that method. So, so maybe what I'm hearing here is, you know, and, and again, toxicologists love to have an easy, easy compliance statement in their protocols and reports. So everything just fits in there, right? But it sounds like really, especially in the area of large molecule and immunology, within your designation, your description of that program, you can bend as many things as you want. But when it comes to biomarkers and immune assessment and PK, you really should have language in there that describes that these are fit for purpose based on the objectives of the study. And this is what we did to ensure that we could meet those criteria. Yes. And because the FDA is evaluating safety, really, they're evaluating safety and those criteria are defined. And they're also, and part of that is understanding drug levels. So that hits the, the PK, GLP regulatory status. But the rest of these are characterization of a phenotype that is fit for purpose. And that should really be the definition. And that's, in a sense, convention. Is that correct? That's right. Okay, that's okay. right. That's that's where both uh, industry, uh, f- in terms of pharma and biotech, as well as um, contract research organizations like us, are heading towards. Right. Because before before this, um, blindly, uh, folks used to just say, "Okay, we want to develop and validate a biomarker assay, so we're we're going to use what's given in the." Um, PK bioanalytical method validation guidance, and and those are the parameters that we're going to use. Right, right. But but that may not necessarily be appropriate. Okay, it's actually kind of more fun in a sense, you know, because if you think about you know toxicologists like myself as box checkers, 
you don't really do that here. You have to kind of think and you really have to look at what am I trying to accomplish? What is the goal? And then fitting your designation of regulatory status as well as scientific approach to the goals of what you're trying to do. And it's non-binary. It's very complex and very dynamic. And that makes it exciting and probably gets you up for work every day. And you hit the nail right on the head. So especially with biomarker method development and validation, uh, if it goes to that, it is very science driven. So you have to think about what you want to do and why you want to do it. Right. That makes it a lot more fun. Well, that helps me a lot. I, I think that this is is a, a bit of a evolution in how I, in, as we've evolved in sort of the type of molecule classes that the the industry continues to look at. And this has been evolving over the last 15, 20 years. But I think the bioanalytical thought process is starting to mature more right now. I know you go to WIB and other locations, and I've seen just their agenda over the past few years has become more and more focused on PCR and immunology assays and, and cell-based assays and things like that. So hopefully we're all getting smarter and within the next few years, we'll all get on the same page and appreciate that you're leading the charge for us on that. Thank you. So great. I think that's all we have. Thank you very much for being with me today. And I think this was very useful. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Loveless Biomedical Podcast. 